center of its kind for adult survivors of child sexual abuse. Donate at littlewarriors.ca slash Our Lighthouse. By Patterson Outdoor, Global Edmonton, and 630 Chad. This is Global News. It's 9.30. I'm Morgan Smith. Whatever police found at the scene of a man's death on Wednesday night, it was suspicious enough that EPS has handed the investigation over to the homicide unit. An autopsy on the 37-year-old who was found dead in a residence near 118th Avenue and 95A Street is set for today. EPS says officers responding to a trouble-not-known call discovered the body. The dangerous cold continues in Edmonton and almost all of western Canada, with temperatures topping out in the mid-minus 30s and wind chills 10 degrees colder. Yesterday, Edmonton was colder than parts of Siberia and Antarctica. Alberta EMS says it's already seen a jump in hypothermia and frostbite cases, but none of them have been life-threatening. Hope Mission putting out an urgent call for donations of winter wear and cash. It's spooling up a thousand emergency beds, but it's only funded for 850. Councillor Aaron Paquette says Edmonton's considering bringing in vacant oil camp housing for our homeless. Edmonton's Mayor Amarjeet Sohi calling an emergency council meeting for Monday and is asking that housing and homelessness be declared an emergency. 6.30 Ched News Time, 9.31. Your patients really trust you. Do you trust me? He's experimenting on people. Dr. Death, all new Sundays, only on Showcase. 6.30 Ched weather, that extreme cold warning still in effect. Wind chills in the minus 40s possible today. So we reach for a mostly sunny high of minus 34. Right now in Edmonton, well, minus 36 degrees, feeling like minus 41 with the wind chill. I'm Morgan Smith, your next scheduled newscast at 10 on 6.30 Ched. You said I want to see you again, but I'm stuck in cold weather. Listening to Shea Gannam on 6:30 Chad, Edmonton's News. Today's talk. She said you're man. You ain't ever gonna change. You got a gypsy soul to blame, and you were born for leaving. Born for leaving. Colder weather. The Zach Brown Band. If you listen to me at all, you know that I'm not a big country and western music fan. But Zach Brown is an exception. Chris Stapleton is an exception. Both those guys. I mean, they're country-esque, I would say at best. But boy, that's a good song. Colder weather. There's a version of that. If you look online, he's doing it. I think it might be at Red Rocks. Uh, just him and a guitar. Oh man, is it good? Um, seven eight zero four nine six zero zero six three four zero three nine seven four eight two five five. Um, we were talking about um, the people that may find this kind of weather harder than your average Albertan does. Obviously, people who have to work outside, tip of the hat to you. My goodness, uh, I can't imagine it. Um, but I would like to spend a day like today with someone from a country where, you know, where it never gets below zero, like not even close to zero. And they're, you know, any equatorial country, uh, just to see what it's like to be someone who's never seen this before, never experienced this before, and just walk out into minus 36 degree weather with a wind chill of minus 45 like that's i mean that's life-changing i would think right like that's like stepping onto the surface of another planet and there are thousands and thousands and thousands and thousands of canadians getting their first taste of that wintry weather right now they've they've never experienced this before we've we've talked before about how immigration to this country is at remarkable levels unseen before kind of levels um hundreds of thousands of people and it's happening and you know you can't deny the fact that we 
have a housing crisis. We hear about that all the time. Healthcare, well, I'll tell you more about that later, but the Canadian Medical Association coming out with a warning yesterday saying we're, we're overwhelmed, we can't keep up. Um, so we've got, we've got different pressures that we already have in this country, and it's a big catch-22 because the way that we want to try and deal with them is through immigration, but when you have increased immigration, you have increased pressures. It's, it, it's, it's time that we come up with a plan, perhaps, because the government says, no, full speed ahead, we're going to continue. Well, what does that mean? The math alone tells you it's going gonna, it's gonna to create some issues. Aaron Woodrick is the Domestic Program Director with McDonald Lurie Institute and recently wrote a piece about this. Aaron, thanks for joining us. I appreciate your time. Yeah, thanks for having me, Shane. So, I mean, let's start with the state of immigration in Canada. I mean, we are a country of immigrants. I'm, I'm, I'm pro-immigration. I think it's an important thing, uh, but I think we got to have a plan, as you say. And you take a look at it right now, and the numbers, I mean, we know what the plan is there. They're way up and staying up, right? Absolutely. And you're right. I consider myself pro-immigration too, Shane. I think that's why it's important that we have this frank conversation about immigration, you know, the pros and cons. Um, You you mentioned Catch-22 earlier. I think that's a good way to put it. Uh, You know, there are no magic solutions. There are only trade-offs. And I think we need to have a a sober look at the benefits and the challenges that immigration brings. Uh, Some people want to emphasize only one or the other. uh, But the reality is uh, a lot depends on the number of immigrants, the class of immigrants, uh, that we that we bring in, for example, high skill, low skill. So um, there's a there's a big debate over students uh, coming in. There's effectively what is a what is effectively a loophole in, in, as part of the overall immigration numbers uh, right now. So I, I think it's important we have this conversation for a long time. You know, this country's just sort of drifted along. Generally pro immigration, that's a good thing, I think. But right now, uh, there are a lot of people that are reluctant to talk, to talk about it because they're afraid of being called you know discriminatory or racist. But yep. that's really yep. not what this is about, no. right? No, you're absolutely right. And that, that's the trap that uh, you don't want to fall into because that's not what it's about in any way, shape, or form. It's just about being realistic here. So so let's go through why we're putting such a focus on immigration and, and legitimate arguments. We need the labor. We need our schools, need the revenue. That's a big one. We don't talk about that much. So listen, it, it's providing us a service in this country. We do need immigration, right? Absolutely. I mean, for the folks who say, well, let's just let's just close the doors for a yeah. while. Well, I mean, I think there would be a lot of unintended consequences. Boy, if you think if you think prices are high now, I mean, a lot of people have cost of living issues. Um, can you imagine if, if uh, you know, people can't find uh, low paid labor, um, they're going to have to start really hiking up salaries. That's great for people who are getting hired. Not great if you're a customer that's paying. Right. So there are there are consequences to uh, sort of cutting off that supply of labor um, as well. As you know, you know, there's a contribution to the, the the housing issue. Obviously, a lot of Canadians can't even afford a house. Adding more immigrants obviously um, just adds to the demand side. But some of those, you know, some of the immigrants are also a solution on the supply side. We need people to help build those houses, um, and uh, and they provide some of that labor. The same applies to uh, things like doctors, right? A lot of Canadians yeah. can't find a family doctor. Yep. Well, a lot of uh, a lot of immigrants, high skilled ones, they're going to be the ones who can fill those roles. So there are, there are trade offs involved here. Um, indeed. Well, what are the unintended consequences? Hey, take a look at that. And they, let, let's start with the, the foreign student visas. We've talked about that before mm-hmm. on the show, but not that much. And I mean, we're talking about hundreds of thousands of these being issued, and they've become something more than just a, an opportunity to study, right? It's a bit of a backdoor that's been set up. 
It absolutely is. It's a loophole that's basically being exploited. I mean, if you break it down, there are a lot of uh, colleges, especially some universities, but mostly colleges across Canada, that basically use international students as, as a cash cow. They can charge them a lot more. They don't have a cap on the number they can bring in. So it's very uh, appealing for them to attract international students. A lot of these students who come here, um, you know, a lot of them, are they have, they have dubious educational qualifications. Some of them don't even really attend their courses. They work part-time because they're allowed to. Um, and eventually, they use the degree they get or the diploma they get from these colleges to try and qualify for permanent residency status. So it's essentially a backdoor to a different level of status. And I, I think it's important, you know, we, we should be able to decide as a country, you know, how many permanent residency permits do we want to offer? We can have that debate and decide on a number, but we can't allow this loophole that just allows people to take a different path to access that when that was never the, the purpose of it in the first place. Um as we need the help and it comes to labor and more and more people means more and more pressure on the areas of scarcity and that's what you're talking about right Aaron, housing is the one that I mentioned but like I say there was just a report out from the Canadian Medical Association talking about healthcare and you know these we can you plan for that like how what's the answer because I don't know what it is to me it seems like a perfect catch-22 if you want to answer the issue with labor shortages when it comes to building housing that's part of the reason we can't build housing we need more labor okay but they need housing so that's I don't know what the answer is there healthcare you mentioned it we can bring in doctors okay but all the people that we're bringing in they need health care so how what is the answer i mean can it be done is there a way to make everybody happy all at the same time I don't think you can make it perfect, but you can make the system better than it is now. And so part of it is the composition of the immigrants that you bring in. If, for example, there are certain uh, certain very specialized, um, highly educated roles that we just simply can't find the people in Canada, um, then we may have to we may have to have special categories and allow people in, like doctors, like engineers, things that are very specialized. When it comes to the the, the more low uh, skill labor, the lower paid labor, I mean, a lot of people say, well, we need to, we need to bring in foreign workers because we can't find Canadians. Well, part of the reason we can't find Canadian labor is because in certain parts of the country in particular, um, the entitlements that the Canadians can access makes working not very attractive. Yeah. They can work less or they can work seasonally. So you have to address that. If you make it, uh, you know, if, if you make it less comfortable for some people to work part of the year, for example, those people are then going to, to, to work. So you kind of solve that problem with the, with the existing labor force. So that's a discussion a lot of uh, governments don't want to have because it's, of course, very unpopular to cut entitlements. Uh, but if that is what's causing us to look to foreign labor to solve this problem. I, I think it's creating a new problem rather than addressing the one we have. In your piece, you make an excellent point, and it's something that I think we need to talk more about. Um, and You and I both sitting here saying, hey, we're pro-immigration, but we recognize there are some issues here. Um, and you make the point that most Canadians are pro-immigration. Most Canadians, I mean, almost all Canadians are immigrants or descendants of immigrants. That's how this country was built, so we got that understanding. But some of our enthusiasm, our zeal, and our acceptance gets eroded when um, we start to see these other pressures, right? That's a big risk we need to be aware of. It absolutely is. And, you know, I, I think part of it is economic and part of it, as I mentioned in the piece, it's just, and this is the most taboo part of it, is that it's cultural, right? I, and I don't want to I don't want to cast aspersions on people. I don't think it's racist to say, you know, if you are around people in large numbers who aren't like you, don't speak your language, have different cultural preferences, for some people it's very uncomfortable, right? And I think we should be able to talk about that. You know, it's I, I liken it to this, Shay. There, there are people who, um, they like to try different types of food, right? It's, it's exciting yeah. for them. They like it. 
other people know what they like and they like to stick to eating it, right? They're not very adventurous. Neither of those things is better or worse. It's just people's preference. And I think we need to have a discussion in this country about, you know, what is the level of immigration um, that we're comfortable with that everyone can agree that, you know, these are people that are coming here because they want to join our national project. And and I frankly think, you know, we we do have racists in this country, but the vast majority of Canadians, they just, they they, they love their country um, and they want to welcome people here who want to be part of our, our project going forward. I think you're right. Absolutely. Great points. Aaron, thank you so much for your time today. I really do appreciate you being here. Yeah, thanks a lot, Jay.